Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. Okay, gentlemen, happy Hanukkah. Today, our Lunch and Learn is sponsored. Thank you, Chewy, for covering and for bringing the pizza. And uh, Parts are sponsored by Yosef. What, the, 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 the soda? Ten bucks. Yosef, you're the man. You know what, Yosef? Your hand is in everything. You're the, the head of uh, operations here. Baruch Hashem. Really, it's a pleasure to be back in, back together. And let's let's begin. We're going to learn today. What do you want to do? Learn Nishmat, somebody, maybe? Parents, maybe. Your father. Avraham ben Leah. And, uh, and uh, it should be a beautiful Hanukkah for, for everyone. And the Jews all over the world should be protected. We're going to learn a fascinating story. This is one of the most famous stories in Shas. It's a famous story where there was a serious debate between two of the greatest Chachamim and that real Machloket, it was a real Machloket that resulted in one of them losing his great position. It's a very not simple thing. We're going to go through the story. It's a very long story, so we're going to do probably break this up into two weeks this week, and then next week we'll finish the story off. There's a lot of lessons to be derived from this story, and I want to go through it inside. God willing, we'll go through. There's many lessons to learn. But one thing, as we do go through this, I want everybody to pay attention to the fact that we're talking about the greatest of the Chachamim, Rabbi Gamliel, who was the Nasi Hador, Rabbi Yeshua, who was the Av Beitin. We're talking about people that when we, t- when we discuss these people getting upset at each other or mistreating each other, obviously it's not like me and you making fun of each other. Can't be. Because these are the people, as we see from the storyline, who were held in the greatest esteem. These were the greatest people. Obviously people could make mistakes, but when these people act, they act with thinking. So we'll go through it. We'll see the story. This is a very interesting story and just a quick historical background before we see it inside. We know following Chorban Bayit Sheni, there was a city called Yavne. What was the city of Yavne? Ten li Yavne Who said that? Who said, give me Yavne and its, its scholars? Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. What happened? When the Romans were going to destroy the Beit HaMikdash, remember the whole story we learned in Masechet Gitin? They moved ten places and built the Shkenaret. That's not what I'm referring to. Remember we learned in Masechet Gitin, the Gemarot that we learn on Tisha B'Av. Remember the story. Oh, okay. Yochanan ben Zakkai, he needed to get out of Be- uh, Yerushalayim in order to talk to, was it Vespasian, I think, right? Aspasianus, yeah. I believe it was. And he asked him, one of the things he asked was, you're going to destroy the Beit HaMikdash. I know I can't ask for that. But tenli, Yavne v'chachameha. Yavne v'chachameha. What's Yavne? So Yavne was a city that was the greatest Torah scholars, the greatest Torah minds following Chorban Bayit. And we know, actually, that this Rebbe Gamliel that we're going to discuss, he was the Nasi, he was the leader of the generation. And under him, there was another rabbi whose name was Rabbi Yoshua. Rabbi Yoshua was what they called the Av Beitin. Rabbi Yoshua was considered inferior in a certain way. He wasn't the highest one like Rabbi Gamliel. But Rabbi Yoshua was a tremendous Torah scholar in his own right. We remember a story in Masechet Rosh Hashanah where there was a machloket as to Kiddush HaChodesh of the month of uh, Elul, and Rabbi Gamliel forced Rabbi Yeshua to concede to his position. Do you remember that? 
We learned the Gemara tells us they had an argument about when Rosh Chodesh was, and Rabbi Gamliel, who was the Nasi, forced Rabbi Yeshua to travel to him on the day that he said would be Yom Kippur, so that it showed everybody agreed with the Nasi, and they negated the position of Rabbi Yeshua. Now, we're going to mention that briefly over here, that that's one of the times we find where Rabbi Gamliel was very insistent on there being one halacha and not multiple deot, multiple opinions. It had to be that the Jewish people followed one shita, whatever that shita was. Why was that crucially important? Because we're talking about after the Chorban. After the Chorban, there is this... Rabban Gamliel. Rabban Gamliel. Rabban Gamliel. Rabban Gamliel. Rabban Gamliel. It's true. He was the great Torah scholar following the Chorban as well. You're right. But in Yavna, we're talking about Rabban Gamliel now. Ten li Yavna v'chacham neha. Like you said also, tikru b'shofar, and then after the b'diyavad... That's a different... You're right. Similar idea. There had to be one... The problem is, is that once you're talking about after the Chorban, you start splitting things into multiple factions, it's very quick for other factions to develop. Like tzidukim, baitusim, things that shouldn't be. Gamil was very insistent on misoret ha-Torah, kavod ha-Torah, that kind of thing. It got him in trouble, though. And that's what we're about to learn about. So the Gemara tells us, the Brayta teaches. Now this actually is based on a machloket. The Gemara, Masechet, Brachot, Chavzayin, Amodbet, Chavchet, Amodalef. We'll see how far we can go with this. It's a long story. Like I said, we'll split this up into different weeks, but let's just start the story. So the story goes as follows. There was a major machloket regarding the Tfilav Arvit. So we know, Shacharit and Mincha, you have to daven. There's a machloket in Shas, is Arvit considered Rishut or Chova? And what does it mean? Is Arvit considered voluntary? Means mandatory. Or is it mandatory? You have to daven Arvit. Okay? But mm. Maisa today, we daven Arvit, mm. so don't get any funny ideas. But in Shas, <laughs> there is a machloket. We tried three more times. You wish yeah, we played three more times. Don't worry. Tanur Avanan. So the Brayta says like this, There was a story with one student. At the end of the story, we'll see, this student was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Rabbi Yoshua. He came in front of Rabbi Yoshua. Now Rabbi Yoshua again was the Av Beitin. He was the, you could call him the second in command. Okay? Amar Leisa, the student said to Rabbi Yoshua, Right, Rabbi Yoshua ben Hananya. Tfilat Arvit Rishut o Chova. Is Arvit mandatory or obligatory? Amar Leisa, Rabbi Yeshua said Rishut, voluntary. Rabbi Yeshua said it's mandatory, voluntary. Why do you say that? That's his psaq. He said that's psaq halacha. That's his opinion. Yeah. It was opinion. Yeah. yeah. Is the chachet is Abraham, the other one is Isaac, the other one is Yaakov? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Why his opinion. Good question. When we get to the sugya, God willing, we'll talk about that. But now we're going to see the story. Balifnei Rebben Gamliel. So the student came in front of Rebben Gamliel. Amar lei, tefilar vitrashut o chova. So he says to the, the nasi, Rebben Gamliel. The same student came and he said, is it rashut o chova? Amar lei chova. Rebben Gamliel said it's chova. So now we have an issue because we have the Nasi saying it's mandatory. We have the Av Beitin, who's the second in the chain of command, saying it's Rishut. It's a voluntary prayer. Problem. So the student turns to Rabbi Gamliel and he said, But Rabbi Yoshua told me that it's voluntary. It means your, your second in command said it's voluntary. So now you have to know why he said this already. By the way, this itself needs a bit of an explanation. We're not going to focus in on this. Generally, if you ask a halachic question from one rabbi, you accept and that's that. You don't go to another one and ask his opinion. You don't do that business. That's, that's a funny business. You don't do that. 
You ask Allah and you stick with the Allah you receive. You don't start ask no, if you don't like what he says, you still have to stick with him. If you don't if you if you if you have enough uh, in, 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 intent to ask him. Don't ask him if you don't want to hear what he has to say. So that itself needs an explanation. We're not going to get it. It's beyond today's discussion. Oh. But if you go to medical yeah. exam and you get one opinion, yeah. you get a lot of opinions. It could be, but you're creating yeah. issues yeah. for yourself yeah. in Alakha. Alakha yeah. is. is, is <laughs> you can't start but messing around like this. Two, two positions. Yeah, it's an argument. But this is more than an argument because here we have the Nasi, the head saying Chova, and we have his underling, Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya, who was a tremendous rabbi in his own right, but he was, he was secondary to Rabbi Gamliel, and he says Rishut. So this creates a problem. Mm-hmm. Amar Leis, Rabbi Gamliel said to this student, he said, okay, I see the problem. Wait until the shield bearers enter the Beit Midrash. You know, a warrior holds a shield. Protection. Yeah. Who are the shield bearers? So Rashi says the shield bearers are the Tamidei Chachamim. It's, it's a euphemism. It's not literal. It means those people that fight for the truth of the Torah, wait for them to come in and we'll figure this out. When the Tamidei Chachamim entered, so this student stood up and asked the question. He wanted to ask in front of everybody. He posed the question. Is Arvid voluntary or is it obligatory? So Rabbi Gamliel was the preeminent posek. He was the top of the chain. Rabbi Gamliel said it's, a, it's an obligatory prayer. He wanted to see if somebody would argue. Okay? Because he wanted to give Rabbi Yeshua opinion, an option to argue. So Rabbi Gamliel turned to the sages and he said, Is there anyone who argues about this? He wanted to see is Rabbi Yeshua going to argue against him? It's Amr le Rabbi Yeshua Lav. Rabbi Yeshua said nobody argues. Now one second. The student had come in five minutes ago and said that Rabbi Yeshua, who's your underling, he's lower than you, mm-hmm. he does argue. So Rabbi Gamliel wanted to call him out on that. Mm-hmm. Want, and he wanted to show there can't be an argument, but he wanted There's to show no if there is, then say that you argue. There's a condition. There's no Amr argument. So Rabbi Gamliel turned to Rabbi Yeshua and he said, In your name they told me, Rishut. The same student came in and told me, you had said that it's voluntary. So how can you say nobody argues? So Amar Leis, so Rabbi Gamliel said, he, he told Rabbi Yeshua, Yeshua, amod Stand up on your feet and I'll testify against you. Meaning that the student who came in and said that it's, you said it's Rishut, stand up Rabbi Yeshua, he's going to testify. That's what you said. So Rabbi Yeshua got up on his feet and he said, I have to admit, he said the following, if I would be alive and that student was dead, right? a live person can contradict the dead. If you get a speeding ticket and you go to court and the cop doesn't show up in court, what happens? I mean, you can say dismiss, he's not here. But the problem is that Rabbi Yeshua said, look, I'm here and that student who knows what I said is also here. So I can't contradict that fellow. He knows what I said. How could the living contradict the living? It's true. I said that. So now what ended up happening was like this. And this is, this is an amazing thing. We had Rabbi Yeshua who held its Rishut. Meaning he, he tried to avoid the issue. But Lemaise, in the end of the day, he had said it was Rishut. He said it was voluntary. Rabbi Gamliel Vanasi says, It's an obligatory prayer. 
So Rabbi Gamliel needed to show with utmost clarity that there's one psak halacha, he's the one that decides and Rabbi Yeshua can't argue against him. So what he resulted in doing here was to do something that forced everyone to understand he was right and Rabbi Yeshua was wrong. The problem is he went a little extreme as the Chachamim were about to tell us. He embarrassed Rabbi Yeshua. It's very extreme, but listen to what he did. Rabbi Gamil continued to sit and teach Torah. And Rabbi Yeshua was forced to stand on his feet in front of him. Meaning, you know, it's like a teacher puts a kid in timeout. Mamish like that, which is like, a, imagine that. We're talking about the greatest of the rabbis. Stand to do this. That's the problem. That's what it seems like here. So to say that Rabbi Gamil Stam wanted to disgrace Rabbi Yeshua, that's impossible. He must have felt that in order to show the preeminence of halakha, and you can't mess with that, this was necessary. So he stood Rabbi Yeshua up in a way that was abuse, I mean, mistreatment. Can you imagine the same? We're not talking about the random student in the Beit Midrash. We're talking about Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya, one of the greatest of the Tanaim. We talk about him all the time in the Mishnah. And he stood him up in a way that would be embarrassing to a certain degree. Now we're going to see what happened is the other Chachamim did not appreciate this. He said, okay, we get what you're doing, but this is not. And this wasn't the first time. It wasn't the first time that Rabbi Gamliel subjected Rabbi Yoshua to a certain sense of disgrace. So the Chachamim did not appreciate this. So the Gemara says, Everyone started to murmur. All the Chachamim in the Beit Midrash were talking to each other until they said, This was a fellow, he was the translator. We've spoken about this before. The rabbi who was giving the drasha didn't have a loud voice, so he had somebody stand next to him who had a loud voice who could project to the crowd. The speaker. The speaker. Speaker of the house, there you go. Speaker of the nasi. So Rabbi Gamliel used to teach, and Chutzpit, his name was Chutzpit, he used to project. Actually, Chutzpit Torgeman, I believe, was one of the Asara Rugei Malchut. We talk about him in the prayer of Yom Kippur, Tishabav, I believe. So, Chutzpit, his tongue, if you know the story over there. So the rabbis in the shul said, the Beit Midrash said to Chutzpit, stop, stop, stop teaching, meaning stop projecting Rabbi Gamliel's Torah. We have to figure the situation out because Rabbi Yeshua is being abused. This is not appropriate. So Vamar Chutzpit stopped teaching. So they protested against the. the they protested against Rabbi Shamliel. The Chachamim in the Beit, Beit Knesset protested, Beit Midrash protested against Rabbi Gamliel. So Amri, they said, Until when are you going to pain Rabbi Yeshua? How are you? Until how long are you going to abuse Rabbi Yeshua like this? And they said, There's a precedent to this. This isn't the first time you're doing something like this. We have two other places and two other Mesechdot where we find Rabbi Yeshua. Forced Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Gamliel forced Rabbi Yoshua to concede to his position in a way that was considered disgraceful. We say like this, Last year, Rosh Hashanah, you, did, you also painted him. That was a story we mentioned before. They had an argument when Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur were going to be, and Rabbi Gamliel forced Rabbi Yoshua to desecrate the day that he felt was actually Yom Kippur so that he showed Rabbi, Rabbi Gamliel's position was right. That was one time. Another incident where there was a machloket about a bechor with Rabbi Tzadok HaKohen, also Rabbi Gamliel forced Rabbi Yeshua to be disgraced. And here also, sorry, and here also you're going to continue to paint him. We can't stand for this. And so the Chachamim and the Beit Midrash decided, because you are mistreating Rabbi Yeshua, we have to remove you from your position. 
It's an amazing thing. But Chachamim in the Beit HaMidrash said is that you, Rabban Gamliel, are doing too much. You're, you're taking too far yeah, of a position. That's something else. Here, they demoted him from his position. They said, we're going to remove you from the Nesiyut. You're the Rosh HaYeshiva, we're kicking you out of the position. And Unbelievable they the thing. To do that? And apparently they had the authority to do that. Exactly. What? The will? Oh, the board. The board. They had a board. But looks like, looks like, unbelievable. Looks like that from the Chachila, Rabbi Yoshua said mutar because of a condition. Reshut, reshut. Yeah. Reshut. I'm sorry. Because there was a condition. What condition? If a person, let's say, for example, is a Talmud Chacham, Okay, excellent. You're right. You're right. Tosafot actually says. When we say reshut, it means if there's a mitzvah veret, right, it pushes off our feet. Excellent, you're right. Adam, excellent. Mamash, excellent. But he still says reshut. I understand. That's the point. But it's it still didn't reshut. Go. That's why I don't understand from the beginning. What's the idea? Of well, to that's a machloket. Confront him and to, to embarrass oh. him. He wanted to show he there can only be one psak halacha. That's the point. If anybody argues, I don't want there to be other pockets that are disagreeing because this could create a breach in Torah. Mm -hmm. We don't want to create issues here. But the Chachamim did not appreciate this. They said, look. You should have sit down with them and... Uh, sit down, work it out. Yeah. Hash it out. The problem is in a, public, in, a pub, in a public setting, it looks like there's discrepancies between the Torah. We can't have two Torah. It's a big problem. Exactly. Similar idea. He's doing in a public way so that everybody sees Rabbi Yeshua agrees with Rabbi Gamliel. Exactly. And the Chachamim saw three times... Too much. We don't appreciate this. And because of that, the Chachamim felt we have to depose Ribbon Gamliel of his position. But this is an extreme thing to do. The, the Nasi Ador, the greatest person, the, the Rosh HaYeshiva, were taking out of his job. So they said, says the Gemara, Tav and Abre, let's kick him out of his job. Let's remove him from his job. But now they had another question. Okay, so impeach him, literally. Now we're kicking him out, but who's going to take his job? Who should take his job? Sure. Rabbi Yeshua. Number two. Number two. Put number two as number one, right? Yeah. Oh. So this is a tremendous sensitivity. Listen to this. They said we can't put... Okay, okay, that's fair enough. It could be. But look, if you put Rabbi Yeshua as the, as the head now, what's going to happen? Who's going to feel terrible? Rabbi Gamliel is going to feel terrible because he's the litigant here. He's the one involved. And they said... We needed to remove him from the position because he mistreated Rabbi Yeshua, but to make him feel worse, we no, can't do that. Do that yeah. Extreme sensitivity. He had to lose the job, but we shouldn't continue to put more salt in the Yeshua. wound. We can't do that. That's impossible. Mm -hmm. It's in a very extreme sensitivity. Let's see that inside. Now, you will take Monica Levinsky and make her the, the president now instead of Bill Clinton. Uh, uh, have a million times. Okay. So they said, Man So who should we put as the Rosh Yeshiva? So they said, Ah, Nuk Rabbi Yeshua. Put Rabbi Yeshua. The problem is, Bal Maasehu. He is the litigant. He's involved. He's involved. He has the relationship to this case. If we put him in, Tatarashi says, it's going to make Rabbi, Rabbi Gamliel feel terrible. We can't do that. He's going to feel extra bad about it. He already lost his job. It's already a disgrace. But to, to put the other one who made it, no, you could too say, much. Too much, too much. We can't do that. Amazing. 
Sounds like his fault, right? Very interesting. No, you're right. You're right. No, he created a problem. You're right. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who's the Talmud who asked the question here, he, we need to understand what he was doing because once you ask one person, you should stop. And if you knew there was going to be a machlok, don't create an issue. Rabbi Shimon Bar we're going to see later. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. I, I, assume, <coughs> I assume that the student was younger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd imagine, but I, I don't know. Could be. So Rabbi Yeshua can't be the Nasi. Fine. So they say, okay, we have another great Chacham in the Beit Midrash. We have Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, the great Rabbi Akiva was a big person. Very interesting idea we're about to say here. Nuk made the Rabbi Akiva. So let's make Rabbi Akiva the Rosh Hashiva. Beautiful. So the Gemara tells us something very, very interesting here. We know that a ger, a convert, is an equal equal to a Jew. But there's one thing that a ger doesn't have that a regular Jew has. What's the one thing? Very interesting idea. What's the one thing he's lacking? I don't know. He's like a Jew in all mitzvot. He's chayav, all the What does he lack? The soul? The soul? No, no, totally. All the same. All the same. What is a ger lacking? Schutavot. Very interesting thing. He doesn't have schutavot in the same way. He doesn't have schut avot. The avot yeah, yeah. also is gerim. Right? What's that? The avot is gerim. Avot are also gerim, yeah. exactly. But so they don't have schut avot. means Yitzchak had schut of Avraham, his father. But a regular Jew has the schut of all those generations of people that preceded him. A ger, he couldn't expect Avraham Avinu. But he doesn't have all the generations that preceded. Uh-huh. So there's one thing in that way that a ger is lacking. He doesn't have schut avot. Now, what? The merit of forefathers. Which gives you what? Ancestors. Oh, now why is that important here? This is a fascinating idea. Anyone who's going to replace Rabban Gamliel is going to be immediately put in the line of fire. Why is he going to be immediately put in the line of fire? More than that. Because who's going to feel bad by whoever replaces him? Rabban Gamliel. And if Rabban Gamliel feels bad, anyone who's in any way causing that person to feel bad, Rabban Gamliel he's automatically going to suffer. There's going to be some fire against that guy. There's going to be a problem with that fellow. There needs to be a schut avot to protect this guy because otherwise the pain that's going to be caused to Rebbe Gamliel will bounce back and and unfortunately could affect this fellow. So whoever's appointed as Rosh HaYeshiva has to have very strong schut avot. Rabbi Kiva didn't fit the bill because he was from Gerim. Very interesting. So the Gemara says, Nukmele Rabbi Akiva. Let's put Rabbi Akiva in the job. The problem is, Dilma He might get punished because he doesn't have schutavot. And again, when it causes suffering to Rabbi Gamil, even though he's not doing it intentionally, but that's the reality. You cause pain to Talmidei Chachamim, it's not a good situation. So he can't be. He can't be. He's not fitting because he's Ben Gerim. He comes from converts. Ella, the Gemara says, and this is the conclusion. What did they decide? This is famous. We learn this in the Haggadah. Who became the Nasi? Who became the Rosh Yeshiva? Nukmei l'Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. We're going to appoint Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, who was 18 years old at the time. He was a young man. And he is going to become the Nasi, the Rosh Yeshiva. Oh, why? So he has three benefits in his favor. Listen to this. Tehu chacham. First of all, he is very wise. V'hu Ashir, he's very wealthy. We'll see why that's important. V'hu Asiri Ezra, and he's a tenth generation from Ezra Sofer. Ezra Sofer, we know, brought the Jews back from Bavel. Ezra Sofer was a tremendous Torah scholar, leader of his generation. So we also have And the Gemara explains why each of these was necessary. Hu Chacham, he's 
If anybody asks him any questions, he knows how to answer. Ashir is wealthy, and this is very interesting also, you could understand, the time period they lived in. If he needs to grease the hands of the Caesar, meaning he needs to bribe the Caesar, he'll be able to do that. He has money. There's not an issue there. So that was necessary at that time in history. The Romans controlled the Jewish people. Has to be somebody who has money. Yeah, has to be somebody with money. He's a tenth generation from Ezra Sofer. So he won't get punished. Beautiful. So Blaz of Nazaria decided he's the guy for the job. We're going to appoint him as the new Nasi. So they approached Rabbi Blaz of Nazaria and they said, Would you like to become the leader of the Jewish people? What do you say? Wow, what a schut, what an opportunity. Right? He's very young. But listen to his answer. This is unbelievable. The Gemara says, Atuva Amrule, they said to Ezra, uh, they said to Rabbi Azariah, Would you like to become the Rosh Hashiva? So, what's the answer? What do you think? No. Why no? Why do you say no? Because he doesn't get to this situation with conflict. Okay, that's a good answer. You don't, you don't want to get involved in the bad situation. It's not worth it. But it's a big skut. It's going to harm Rabbi Gamliel. What do you think? He, probably, I mean, he, but we're, we're talking about he was obviously a big chacham because he's not a simple person. So listen to what he said. Unbelievable. This is a big lesson also. Listen to this. So Amar Lehu, he said back to them, I first have to ask my wife. You see this? Mefarshim comment over here. Mefarshim comment. But it's more than that. If you're going to accept a job that's going to change your life in a very drastic way, you can't make a decision like that without asking your wife. You're going to become the Rosh Yeshiva, the Nasi. You're not coming home for dinner at night, right? You're not going on vacations anymore. There's no more downtime. You're not spending time as much with your wife. You have to ask your wife. The big lesson happens to be. We can't. We might want to do something for our own success, in professional legacy. success, legacy, v'chule, v'chule, but well, ask the wife. You have to ask the wife. Very important. Very interesting yeah. lesson. So what happened? So he went and he consulted with his wife, Elizabeth Azaria. It's fascinating. The Gemara tells us the whole story over here. What do you think his wife said? No, no, no. no I like vacation. No, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. yes. So, so she gave two issues, two yeah. problems that she said potentially he has to think about. Let's see. Let's see. So Amrale turned to Chafchet Medalev. She said, and we'll, we'll finish soon because this is a very long story. Take your time. So she said, look, they offered you this job. Imagine that. Imagine the opportunity. He's a young man. He's a brilliant person. A young, and they're giving him the highest job in the Jewish people. This is an amazing opportunity. Talk about legacy. And also, on a L'Shem Shamayim level, he can affect the Jewish people. This is a tremendous opportunity. So his wife said, there's two, there's two potential issues. One is what David just pointed out. First of all, meaning, they kicked out the last guy. It's a shaky job. Rabban Gamliel did something, and then they let him go. So who says that they're not going to let you go? By the way, you look into a job, and you find out that there's a track record of getting fired every other year, 
It's not such an exciting. Oh, I'm just I'm just saying it as an extreme. It's not such an exciting job. You know, there's certain schools, Lahavdil, but there's certain schools that they hire you, they they offer you a job, but then you look. The last ten years, they've had eight people in that position. It tells you that there's a track record there that if you're going to get into it, be aware that your job is not very secure. I mean, that's the idea. So she said, maybe they'll kick you out, like they kicked out Rabbi Gamliel. That's a fair argument. Okay. Job security. Job security. Okay. So, you know, if we're going to go... What was doing? He had a different job? Who, Rabbi Lesben Azariah? Well, he was rich. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He had money. He had money. Yeah. So what about the money? Of course not, of course not. But that's the. But, 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 but she said, you're going to get into something so difficult, it's not even secure. So Marla, he said back, and it's a very interesting argument. He said, It's better that a person should use a crystal cup for one day, and tomorrow it breaks. Meaning, there's a great opportunity now. What happens in the future happens in the future. This is a tremendous opportunity for us. So we should take it. What's that? Enjoy, enjoy the, the moment. moment. That's right. I mean, I enjoy. Listen, I have an opportunity. I don't know that I'm going to lose the job. Also, Yosef's right. The one time they kicked somebody out, we don't know what's going to happen in future. So take the job. Not, not such an argument. But then she says something more, and this is fascinating. Amrali, she says back to him, The problem is you don't have white hair. It's a very interesting argument. You're young. And if you're young, there's two issues. First of all, they're not going to respect you. Take you white hair. I mean, people with white hair, with, with, with age comes respect. There's a certain element of respect. Imagine, young guy gets up and he's now the head of the entire... People look at him like, who's this young guy that's replacing Rabban Gamliel, the great Rabban Gamliel? So they're not going to respect you and maybe it's not appropriate for such a young person to be put in such a position. It's a good argument. So what do we know from the Haggadah? What, what, did, what was he saying there? Does anybody remember that? What, what, what was that all about? What did he mean? What does that mean? Why did he look like 70 years old? It's true he was smart, but he lives, I look like. Why I look like? Because his position? So there was a miracle that happened. Listen to this. That day, he was 18 years old. A miracle happened. And 18 rows of his hair became white. Means Hashem made a miracle that his hair turned white or his beard turned white so that he looked older than he actually was so that people would give him the respect and it would be more appropriate for him to be the head of the yeshiva. And exactly from the Agadah, like you just said, that's what he means when he says over there, he says, I'm like 70 years old. What do you mean I'm like 70 years old? The low ben shivim shana, he wasn't 70. Because why? Miraculously overnight, his hair turned white to make him look like he was older. Very interesting. I just want to point something out. Some of the Mepharshim learned kipshuto, literally his hair turned white. When he accepted a job like that, the stress of the job caused his hair to turn white. But the simple pshat in the Gemara is, Hashem performed the miracle, his hair turned white, and then he was ra'oi for the job, and he took the position as the nasi. There was another story. Right about color. <laughs> Colored his hair. Right? Yeah, yeah. There was another story that you, we learned, <laughs> yeah. that you told us, with Shmuel and Abi and Shaul, that his hair Similar. turned white. Exactly. It's because people didn't want... Hashem didn't want people to think. When he would die at 52. Now, being, uh, so young, beautiful, beautiful. 52 years another old, he looked like he's 1,000. That's a good example. It's like it's another example we find for a different reason, but the same idea. That just the exactly. hair color, just to understand. Same so idea. The respect. 100%. We're going to stop here, Chavra. But 
where we're holding now in the story is Rabbi Lezben Azari accepted the job. Accepted. He accepted the job. Rabbi Gamliel lost the job. Wow. And we're going to see on the first day of the job, we'll pick up next week in this story, we'll see he made significant changes in the Beit Midrash. There were drastic differences. Wow. Zat Hashem will pick up next week with this story. And full okay. changes? Well, well, we'll see. The very, very interesting changes. We'll get to it next week, God willing. Was there no reforms also? He must have no, 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 you're right, you're right, no, no. He made Arvid mandatory. He he made, no, 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 well, no. They never, you never resolved that. Well, look, so in the end of the day, it seems to be Machloket, yeah, but you're right, yeah. Even his hair. We, we lost track of that because of the whole story, and that's the, yeah. Even his hair turned white. Yeah, his hair turned white. If you take such a position, that means you have to be the blood of this state from older people. Older people. Older people. Correct. That's right. That's part of the uh, that's part of the issue. Yeah. That's part of the problem. Meaning, so, that Rashi actually says it's not appropriate for a darshan for the person giving the shiur to be so young. It, was, exactly. it, was, it would have been inappropriate. So an eighty-year-old rabbi. He's taking the job. Is it the correct thing that he's taking the job? So, if in very interesting question. In chokhmah, he was on the level. So, if in chokhmah he's on the level, then he could take the job. Apparently, it's very interesting. There's a gemara that talks about. When you reach a certain level of hora'ah, you should begin to paskin, but not before that. You can't begin to take authority before a certain position. But perhaps if you're on the level, and actually there was maybe there was no other option here too. I mean, he was the one that uh, had all the benefits. The, the level to be fitting for the job. So here he had chokhmah, yeah. wealth, yeah, and zechut avot. I hear. I, I hear. No, I, I hear that. I hear that argument. I think there is a discussion about that. It's a very good point. But there's always pluses and minuses in every leader. That's like true. So, so there is there is something exactly. said about that. Yeah, that, that's actually yeah. Interesting. Even with Moshe Rabbeinu, they are complaining against him. All right, we'll stop here, Fabrik. We'll pick up with this next week.